The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracecitysd.com. Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot, and like a root out of dry ground, he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering, like one whom from men hide their faces he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. Turning over to John chapter 1, verses 10 and 11. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Let's pray. Father, would the profound nature of these passages not be lost on us? As you speak through Randall, would any callous in our hearts be melted away? May we become aware and convicted of the ways in which we have rejected you and how it is still your delight to receive us. Would we worship you in full view of your sacrifice from throne of glory to cradle in the dirt to suspension on a cross? And thank you that it did not end there. All glory to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. All right. Good morning, everyone. Um, Welcome this morning. If it's your first time here, uh, my name is Randall, uh, pastor here at Grace City. And uh, if you're just joining us, we're in this Advent season. Um, Advent is a time where we focus on uh, Jesus, the birth of Jesus, but uh, we see it not just as a one-time event, but something that impacts our lives each day and into eternity, right? This is an important aspect of our faith, that uh, Jesus was born, that God became man, And so uh, it's called the incarnation. God became man. And if that reality is true, which I believe it is, then that should change everything about our lives. And so what we've been talking about is just how uh, Jesus and the message of Jesus just isn't in the New Testament, but it's all throughout the Bible. It's all throughout the Bible. Uh, There's a quote from a man named David Murray. He wrote a book called Jesus on Every Page. And here's what he says. Even though every text does not name or refer to Jesus, he's implied in every text since the events and people of every text are part of his plan of redemption. So if this book isn't just a book, but it's something that is telling us about a a person, right, The, the living God, How does that impact our lives today? Well, our text today is from Isaiah 53, 1 through 4, and looking at John 1, 10 through 11. And traditionally, this isn't a a Christmas text, Um, but what we're going to see as we study it today is that it it actually is. There's a lot about uh, 
Christmas that we find in this text. And so if you've got your Bibles, you can turn there. We're going to really be studying deep into Isaiah uh, 52, 53, right in this section here. But the message is beholding Jesus in a weary world. Beholding Jesus in a weary world. Now in the hymn, O Holy Night, the lyrics read, O Holy Night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of the dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the Spirit felt its worth. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. The weary world rejoices. See, why does the word weary seem so relatable to our world today? Well, from deadlines to vacations to family gifts, gadgets, recipes, prepping for guests, checklists, running from one place to another. Am I starting to stress you out a little bit? Yes, we are weary. So what or who can calm our weary souls? Well, in verse 2 of O Holy Night, it says these three words. Behold your king. It says it twice. Behold your king. It's a call to behold. But many times this word behold is very lost with us in our culture because we don't have time to behold. I don't have enough time to really focus. And so what does this call to behold look like for you, for me? And is Jesus worth beholding? Well, Greg Morris says he was and is. See, the joy of all those weary of their sin, weary of this fallen world, weary of being apart from him, Jesus, the king, we could never imagine. Jesus, the king, worthy of all our worship, came. Anointed of God, needed by man. His reign is still life and peace for all who trust in him and wait for his return. Come, let us adore him. See, we've heard it. We know it. But my prayer is that our hearts receive it that we receive that beautiful gift of what God has given to us. But what it takes is for us to stop and behold. In the context of today's scripture, Isaiah 52, before chapter 53, the author Isaiah encourages us to do this very thing, to behold. He says this in Isaiah 52, verse 13, before chapter 53. Behold, my servant shall act wisely. He shall be high and lifted up and shall be 
exalted. See, the title of Isaiah 52, if you look at the top, it just says, The Lord's Coming Salvation. Alec Matir says about Isaiah 52, 13, he says, The command of behold brings us into the realm of accomplishment. Watch the servant and what he did. See, what is it that you and I are beholding? Are we seeing just another thing to do on our list, which keeps growing? Or is God encouraging us to stop, put the checklist down, and see that there was something that was done that it was already checked off the list. And that what was checked off the list is the most important thing for you and I to receive today. See, the answer to our weariness is not another to-do list, but it's to stop and behold what has been done by God. This is beholding the good news. See, here we talk a lot about the gospel. The gospel is simply good news. It's not good advice on how to get your life together. And what happens is there's something that convinces us that we need something more than good news. I need some good advice to get through right now, whatever I'm going through. But God's saying, no, I need your heart to be convinced and my heart to be convinced that there's something that's been done that is so important that will help you to get through whatever you're facing. Will you find strength in what God has done? And it's about taking it in and not being bogged down by what you can do. See, the whole Christianity mess, or the whole message of Christianity is wrapped up in one word, done, done. And so today, as we behold Jesus, I, I hope you hear God saying, just put down the checklist, gaze upon what I've done for you, and let your soul rejoice. And so what does it look like to behold Jesus in a weary world? Well, let's dive into Isaiah 53, 1 through 4, and then we're going to get back to John at the end of this message. But to give some background, Isaiah was written 700 years before Jesus walked the earth. And Isaiah foretells three realities about the incarnation, about Jesus, about him coming, about his life, insights that should stop us in our tracks. These insights about Jesus should be so shocking to us that we should stop. And so what is it? Well, it's beholding three things. Number one, it's suffering, it's simplicity, and it's substitution or self-sacrifice. So the first one, suffering. Now we're gonna go back into Isaiah 52, 14, and then into 53, 1, okay? So the first one in Isaiah 52, verse 14. As many were astonished at you, his appearance was so marred beyond human semblance uh, 
and is formed beyond that of the children of mankind. And then into chapter 53. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? What's happening here? Well, what we find is that Isaiah had foretold that Jesus would come as a baby, as a child. We looked at that last week, right? Isaiah 7, verse 14. But we get to this section of Isaiah that's called the Songs of the Suffering Servant. And this is really where it starts to get more detailed. What kind of life would this servant live? Who is this suffering servant? Well, we see that Jesus came as a baby. But what we find is that he left the world so beaten that we couldn't recognize him. This is actually a very gruesome scene. It's, it's not something that we would want to look upon as we think about Christmas. But it gives us this insight into Jesus' life, like his birth, his life, but also why he came, his death. If you know the story of Jesus and and you read through the message and the narrative of Jesus, what we find is that in Matthew chapter 2, there were wise men who came offering gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Many scholars believe that the myrrh was to signify Jesus' death. Why, when he's born, do we think about his death? Because Jesus himself says, this is why I came. This is what we, I'm, I'm, he, right when he starts, it's all about his life and his death. It's who he is, but it's why he came. See, at his death, we are told that Jesus was so disfigured, he was marred beyond human likeness. Alec Matir in this verse says, the servant's suffering brought such a disfigurement that those who saw said, not only is this he, but is this human? See, what beholding Jesus should do is actually shock us. It should shock us. The Hebrew word used here, shemem, is to be appalled, stunned, stupefied. That word astonished. Stunned, appalled, stupefied. See, it should make us uneasy and say, this is wrong. This is not right. And in this, we find that Jesus is saying, this is why I came. If you look around and you look at the world and you look at the pain and you look at the suffering and you say, this isn't right, then Jesus is saying, do you see me suffering for you and taking that upon myself? I remember 
when I was a young pastor, Christmas was a big deal at the church I, I worked at. And we had, I can't even remember how many services there were, right? Like multiple, multiple, multiple services. And so I remember was driving in uh, for one of the services, and I get off the highway, and I look over, and I see there's a man on the side of the road laying on the ground, literally passed out, and I didn't know what was going on. And, and, and there are people just driving by, right? Homeless guy on the road, passed out. And so I pulled over the car. I go over. The guy's barely breathing. And so I call 911, and they come. And the officer was actually one of my friends. I, I knew him, and he said... He, he took it from there. He said, we're going to get this guy an ambulance. We're going to take him in and check on him. And I circled back with my friend later. And he, he looked at me and he's like, hey, man, like, that guy was almost dead. He almost died. He said, he looks like he's been here for hours. And... If you didn't make that call, he would have died. And I, I thought to myself, how easy was it for people to just be driving by? Right? Like, the suffering that's happening, but like, just driving by. And how, you know, like, we can do that. We can get so caught up in our to-do list that we can just be like, well, okay, like he'll figure it out. And what we see is that Jesus is calling out saying, yes, the Christmas story, but yes, do you see why I came? There's people that are suffering. There's people that are hurting. And that's why I came. And he experienced what we, what we experience. See, it should be a moment when we ask ourselves, what are we doing? What are we doing? It should shock us. See, beholding Jesus' suffering gives us this opportunity to look deeply into our, our lives and, and, and ask, okay, what's going on in the world, Right? And Lord, we need an answer. And Jesus, are you truly the answer? Are you the answer? Second, it's the simplicity. For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. See, what this verse tells us 
is that before Jesus suffered, he was simple. Look at what this verse tells us. He had no majesty or form. He had no beauty. He was despised. This word for despised is this. He was taken lightly, made, made light of, or, or laughed at. That's what the translation of that word would have been. It would have been that he was taken lightly, made fun of, made light of. Right? And you think about how lightly we can take all of this. But it's a call to see the weight of it all and to see what Christ has done. See, Jesus did not come with a resume saying, look at me, look at me. Jesus did not enter the world like many of us would have chosen to. Jesus didn't sell himself to us. But he came simply. And see, this again is a call to us to say, how do I receive the message of Christmas? How do I receive this? You know, there's a word that the, my kids will use sometimes. They're like, man, that's basic, right? It's basic. Simple, right? Jesus came like that. You know, the message of Christianity is saying, hey, are you going to get caught up in thinking that it's about something else? Or are you going to realize that it's about this? One quote says, when you sell yourself, when you're promoting yourself, when you're doing interviews, whatever, you have to show people uh, in your resume indicators of future success, don't you? People are looking for predictors. Look at where I went to school. Look at what I've done. Look at my talents. Look at my scores. Look at this. Look at that. These are indicators of future success. Well, I want you to know that Jesus had none of them. None of them. He didn't have looks. He didn't have money. He didn't have connections. He didn't have credentials. He didn't have cultural power. Nothing. He was utterly unimpressive. What this tells us is that if Jesus came simply, he's inviting you and me to come to him simply. Jesus is not expecting a resume from you and me. He's just asking us to come. He's saying you can't clean yourself up. That's why I had to suffer so much. And so just come. One of the biggest mis understandings of the gospel is this. I'll come to God when I can clean up my life. That's when I'll come to God. If I could just get my life a little bit better, more cleaned up, then I'll come to God. But the message of Christmas is you can't. You couldn't clean up your life, and I couldn't either. And so come simply to Jesus. Lastly, it's the substitution or the self-sacrifice of Christ. Look at verse 4. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. 
Surely he has borne our, our griefs. See, this verse isn't just saying that our sins and sorrows were merely put on Jesus. It's saying this, that he lifted them off of our shoulders and took them onto his own. He took them onto himself. It's to understand the weary cries of David in Psalm 38, verse 4. For my iniquities have gone over my head like a heavy burden. They are too heavy for me. Have you just been so overwhelmed, so stricken with the heaviness of life that you just cried out to God and said, I can't. I can't do this. I was watching the movie The Star with my kids. And um, it's, it's, it's a funny little cartoon, but it's about the birth of Jesus. And we were watching it together. And it depicts Joseph kind of as this like frustrated father kind of walking around, you know, like things are kind of just really difficult and he's just upset all the time. And, and they were looking at Joseph and I'm like, man, looking at them, I'm like, does that remind you of me? Like, I feel like that, you know, I feel the overwhelmed nature of just life in this world. But yet it's this little baby that is there that would be the one to lift it off of Joseph's shoulders, off of Mary's shoulders, off of the world's shoulders. See, in what ways can we know that this is true? Can we know that this is reality? It's when we see this this substitutionary self-sacrifice of Jesus for ourselves. When you see it wasn't just for somebody else, but you see that it was for you. When I see that it was for me, that's when it changes things. Remember one time my kids were fighting and, you know, you do that parent thing where it's like you catch one of them doing it and they're the one that's in trouble. And so I remember... It was uh, my two older ones, they were kind of going at it, and I don't know, I just didn't see it, but I, I, I caught my son. I'm like, all right, here's the punishment, you know, sorry, buddy. And uh, I remember my daughter looking and saying, no, 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 it wasn't his fault. Dad, give him grace. She's like, I'll take it, I'll take the punishment. Kind of one of those shocking moments as a parent, you know, you're like, well, okay, this whole grace thing we talk about, it actually is starting to sink in here. And they're looking at each other and they're hugging each other. What happened? They saw this self-sacrifice, this willingness to take it on themselves instead of seeing their sibling punished. It was out of love, right? As much as they didn't like each other in the moment, they were willing to take that upon themselves. And when you see the perfect son of God who, who actually didn't have any responsibility with our punishment but said, I'll take it for you, that's when it starts to melt our hearts. 
right, in our heart of stone starts to become a heart of flesh. It starts to change us. And so how can we behold Jesus in a weary world? Let's wrap up with this. The first one is, remember what he's done daily. Daily. Just underline that word daily. You and I are going to need it daily. See, this is hard, but this is allowing the gospel to sink deep into your whole being of who you are. How do you choose to start your day? Is it by being overwhelmed by what you need to do, or is it first remembering what's been done for you? Would you start the day by beholding what God has done? I remember a friend told me one time, he says, when the good news becomes old news, you're in trouble. When the good news becomes old news, when it becomes this fact of, I've already heard this before. I already know that. It's like a friend said this past week, it's when it hasn't traveled that eight inches from your head to your heart. Right? How do we preach that to ourselves every day? I've shared this before, but one of my mentors, a good friend, he, he says, the way I preach that to myself is this. He says, I, I grew up feeling worthless, never really, I had, he's like, I got a, a father wound. He says, I have to wake up every day and tell myself, you were loved and accepted by God. First thing, before I do anything. He says, you know why? Because I have felt like my whole life I've been working and trying to strive and earn acceptance and love. And I've never been able to get it. He says, but I, so I have to remind myself of what happened first. It's that God did something that changed my life. And so I'll wake up every morning and remember that Jesus made it possible for me to be accepted and loved by God. And I got to do that every day. Every day. The second is this. Remember the simplicity of Jesus. Remember the simplicity of Jesus. The life of Jesus reminds us that you don't have to compare yourself to anyone else. You don't have to build a resume. You can actually be free to live your life. You don't have to fall into the comparison traps. See, I know this. It's coming, right? Like, there are times where during this time of the year, maybe it might be comparing yourself on social media well, my family picture doesn't look that great, you know. We haven't even taken them yet, okay? So we are behind. Checklist is not checked off, all right? So I'm just telling you right now, like, I get it. But you don't have to compare yourself. You're reading through all the updates. Oh, man, well, my update's not that great. We didn't have that great of a year, you know what I mean? Like that, that type of thing. You're comparing yourself to, or maybe others are comparing you. Maybe family members are comparing you to other family members. Well, they're doing this and they're doing that. What is going to free you from the trap? It's knowing that when they looked upon Jesus, they made light of him. They laughed at him. 
They, they thought he had nothing to contribute to the world. Yet this is the greatest person to ever walk this earth. If they made light of Jesus, who are we to think that we would be above that? We don't have to prove it. But that God has done it. And that what God has done is good enough for you to stand in. And it's good enough for me to stand in right now today. The last one is this. Remember that sacrifice is the heart of Christmas. Sacrifice is the heart of Christmas. There's this message. It's just a small little part of the book of Acts. You don't see it in the New Testament, but it's shared there because there's this little snippet of what Jesus says. What did Jesus say? It is better to give than receive. It's better to give than receive. People are like, well, where did that come from? It came from the Bible. It came from the Bible. We think we came up with that. We didn't. See, the message of Christmas is that God gave. And God believed that it was better to give than receive. And I'll tell you, there's so many times in my life where I got so upset because I didn't receive what I thought I was going to get. Christ has reversed that. It's better to give than receive. C.S. Lewis said in his book, Mere Christianity, that the principle runs all, uh, through all of life from top to bottom. Give up yourself and you will find your real self. Lose your life and you will save it. Submit to death, death to your ambitions and favorite wishes every day and death of your whole body in the end. Submit with every fiber of your being and you will find eternal life. Keep back nothing. How can we embrace that and believe that it's true? Recently I was with my family Watch this uh, little video of Corey Ten Boom. Again, I shared a, little, a quote from her last week, but just was revisiting her story. Just as a child, grew up in a Christian home, really understood the message of Jesus. But basically, her and her family were able to be a part of saving 800 lives people, but it was, it was extreme sacrifice, right? Uh, she ended up going to a concentration camp, watching as her, her sister died. But f- for us, what is the message of Christianity? It's to give up yourself, and that in that, you'll find yourself. Here's the gospel. How can we behold Jesus in a weary world? It's this, by remembering that he was ignored and forgotten in a world that was too busy for him. In a world that was too busy for him. John 1, 10 through 11, John says this. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. 
He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. The world was just too busy for Jesus, too busy for God. See, why did he come? Face extreme poverty and suffering. Live counterculturally, absorb the pain of life. Why did he do it? For us. See, do you see Jesus being snubbed and ignored for you? Because it's when you behold him, it will calm your heart. He will help you to press forward through the suffering. He will help you see that consuming this world is not the answer. And he will make us more like him. Last week I was walking in the courtyard and I, uh, I saw this rose that was on the ground. It was just laying there in the middle of the ground. I don't know why the rose was in the ground. And I don't know, last week it was just pouring rain, right? And so I took this rose, I put it up on the rock out there. And, um, and then I came back and the rose was back on the ground. Must have just got washed off, you know? But it just reminded me of that song. Um, like a rose trampled on the ground, he took the fall and thought of me above all. You know, that, that's, that's when I saw that rose, I was like, man, that's, that's what it reminded me of. And I just hope you see that, yeah, we trampled on him, but he's the rose. And he took the fall for you and me. Above all. Yeah, he thought about us above all. So let's pray and just behold him. Lord Jesus, you are the precious one who came into this world, the holy one, who suffered immensely. You were the one who was worshipped at your birth. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh be laid before the king. And today we honor the king. We behold the king. We see what you've done. May we not ignore you any longer, but behold you. May our gaze be fixed upon you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.